praise the Lord for the blessed day we have today and for the communion table. And I'm glad that today we can remember once again the death of our Lord Jesus. Because we'll be taking part in communion, I'd like to talk to you today about the death of Jesus Christ. And that which God has put on my heart is not a particularly difficult subject. My aim isn't to give a very difficult or complex teaching to you today. Because Jesus said, remember my death. So today we want to remember what happened to Jesus on the cross. It's interesting to see that whatever happened to Jesus on the cross, we receive the exact opposite in our own lives. He gave to us the opposite of what happened to him at Golgotha. And because of this, the, the cross of Christ is a powerful, powerful core of the gospel. And the Bible has been called the book of blood. Just in the New Testament, we read about the cross of Christ 175 times. And all of the prophecies of the Old Testament, the symbols that we read in the Old Testament, all point to Christ and the redemption of Christ. The Apostle Paul says, we preach Christ crucified. Even though it may be a stumbling block for many or foolishness for many. But for those who believe, the message of the cross is wisdom and power. So the cross is the center of the Bible. And we need to remember the cross, not only when we take communion, but every day of our lives. Why is the cross so important? I want to remind you what happened to Christ on the cross. The Bible tells us that uh, Jesus became sin in order that we might know righteousness. In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says he became sin that we may know God's righteousness. Not only did he become sinful, that he completely from head to foot became sin. Imagine all the awful things that we've done. All the ugly things that we've done. All the jealousy. The pride. All the desire, all the contempt we have. All the artifice that we have. All the lies we've told. All the uh, inappropriate words we've used. He took all that upon himself. From, the, from Adam and Eve to the end of the world. How do you react when someone accuses you of something that you haven't done? It's something that's difficult to take. You haven't done something, but they're accusing you of doing that very thing. Just one mistake. When that happens to us with one incident, it's, it's very hard for us to take. But Jesus took upon himself all of the wrongdoing, all of the sin of the world. He hadn't committed one of those acts. 
from the past, from the present, from the future. No mind can grasp this. Because the love of God is much higher, much bigger than, the, than our mind so when Jesus prayed saying Father take this cup from me he knew what that cup contained he knew all the sin that that cup represented in spite of that he still submitted to the Father and, and, and partake, took of the cup we need to praise God that he took our sins upon himself and was crucified in our place that we might be free. I read about the French Revolution and I read about how during the revolution many people were killed and several people were imprisoned and there was a young person in the prison and uh, he was about to be uh, he was about to be sacrificed, killed and uh, his father had asked for the right to spend one night with his son before he was guillotined so on that last night the father spent the last night of his son and they, they spent time together they, they wept together and at the end the boy fell asleep in his father's arms in the morning when, when dawn came the soldiers came and they, they had a list of those people who were going to be killed that day when they read the name of the boy he was asleep but his father was awake they called the names again the father stood up and they deleted the boy's name and the father told the other prisoners when my boy wakes up tell him that your father paid the price for your, was punished on your behalf lead your life as a free person you're free this is a true story it's written in the history books and there are other similar stories how man has been ready to pay a, a price for someone else. Brother Haig, for example, was ready to give his life for Brother Dibaj. Uh, I read in the English newspapers that an Armenian leader uh, was, gave his life for uh, a Persian leader. How many parents there have been who have been ready to give their lives for the children? How many soldiers are killed because they're ready to give their lives for the freedom of their nation? So this shouldn't be anything particularly remarkable to us. But God sacrificed himself. God took us in upon himself in order to give us holiness. Second, the Bible tells us that Jesus was God's anointed one, the blessed one. He that was the blessed one became a curse in order to free us from the curse of the law. In Galatians 3, chapter 23, because of sin, curse entered, curses entered the world. And this curse enveloped the whole world. God cursed Adam, cursed Eve, 
cursed nature, cursed the serpent. And as a result, the whole of the earth was covered in this curse. And the Bible clearly tells us that whoever fails to, to, to implement all of the law of God is under the curse. So all of us, in one way or another, are subject to the curse. And if we read the Bible, we can, we can read what those curses are. So for example, the, the curse of immorality and aimlessness. Uh, failure of different types is occurred. People who live under constant fear is it's a curse. When there's turmoil in family relationships, that's part of the curse. Different worries, anxieties, pressures and fears, that's all part of the curse. But the Bible tells us that Jesus became a curse. He took our curse upon himself that he might give us his blessedness as, as instead. Uh, in Australia, there's something happened that was written about in the paper. It's quite surprising. One young man committed a, a crime and uh, they brought him to court to be tried. He had to pay a big penalty for his crime. And the judge ended up being his father. When he saw his father, he, he saw that the father was going to judge him. He was very pleased. And he approached his father and he said, Well, Dad, I'm sure you're going to let me off my crime. But his father was very strict and said, Just sit where you are. I have to carry out justice. And without compromise, his father applied the letter of the law and, and punished him with a severe penalty. And the boy complained and, and wept, but the father said, no, this is how it has to be. And the son said, where is your love? Where is your mercy? He said, I'm sitting here as judge, not as your father. And justice must be done. So be quiet, I'm not going to change my mind. But when the trial finished, and they took the son to prison, when, when the judge took off his judge's robes and left the courtroom, and put on his own clothes. He took out his checkbook and paid in full the penalty that the son had to pay and freed the son. He showed his fatherly love towards his son after justice had been done. We were under a curse and we expected a penalty. But Jesus took the penalty and the curse upon himself that we might be free. So God's justice was carried out. And God's love was also carried out. The Bible, the third thing, the Bible tells us that Christ was a, a heavenly king, is a heavenly king. He wore a, a crown of thorns that we might receive the crown of glory. It's also very interesting. They didn't put a crown of thorns on any other criminals who had been crucified. 
What do they make the crown from? Pushits. From thorns. Where does the thorn come from? Where do the thorns come from? When God cursed nature, thorns came into being. So Jesus took that curse, took on the humiliation onto himself. What for? that he might place on our heads a crown of glory. So we are truly blessed because because of the blood, the death of Jesus, we have become worthy of being kings. In the book of Revelation, it reads that reads, we read that he cleansed us with his blood and made us high priests and kings. So it's a huge honor for us that we can walk not with a crown of thorns, but with a crown of glory, with our head held high. Even when things happen around us which aren't things that we want, I don't want to change the subject of my talk, but I want to remind you, because we can very soon hear that certain people close to us have died. I've said this in the past as well. Certain things, the will of God, are unchangeable. Don't think that you can have the power to change everything within God's will. There are certain events that even if the whole world and heaven and earth prayed in unity, for something to change, they would not change because they have been predestined by God. Uh, we have to submit to God's will for those things because the control is in God's hands and authority is in His hands. And we've got different examples of that in our lives. There's no time to go into them. That God answered people's prayers, not in accordance with what they wanted, but what he wanted. However, there are some things, some subjects, where God's will has been altered by prayer. So what does St. Francis of Assisi pray? Lord, give me patience and peace. To change the things I can change um, and to accept those things I cannot change. Give me the ability to change those things which I can change. And give me the wisdom to know the difference between the two. So in the Bible we see both examples at play. We see the will of God which is unchangeable to which we have to submit and we see the will of God which can be changed where there have been healings and miracles. Both are written in the Bible. And those people which only focus on one aspect of God's will soon meet with trouble because our lives and our death are in God's hands. I digress slightly from my subject. But what do I want to say with all this? Even if bad things happen in our lives, we shouldn't feel that we are cursed 
Because we haven't been destined to live on this earth forever. There's a time to be born and a time to die. Those, those times are not in our hands, it's God who decides. We have to sub- submit to God's will. Because he is the Lord. And just as Jesus said, we have to say, not my will, but yours. And we shouldn't fight with God about this. And we shouldn't uh, be um, offended by God. Uh, The Apostle Paul says, for me to die is gain. And victory. Who says that living and life is the only gain and the only victory? Paul was saying, if I die and go to heaven, I'm in a much better place. A few days ago, I said the following to God. Lord, you have accepted me and you know me in spite of all my weaknesses and all my failings. And I love you with everything that you are and you you have. Those things which I know and I understand and those things which I don't understand. Those things which are beyond my understanding or things which I can grasp. In all circumstances, I love you and I submit to you, God. I don't need to understand everything because he is God. Even the apostles couldn't understand everything about God but they submitted to him. So when it says that Jesus replaced our crown of thorns with a crown of glory, the crown of glory still applies even when we go through difficulties and hardships. The Bible teaches us that Jesus, who had heavenly beauty, became ugliness for us, that we might become beautiful. In Isaiah 53, we read that he became so ugly on the cross and so crushed by the cross that people couldn't look on him. The most beautiful, the most radiant son of, of God in all of his glory became so hideous, so ugly, that man could not look upon him. And at that time, everyone was making fun of him, were humiliating him, were were laughing at him. The face of Christ changed completely on the cross. Why did he become so ugly? That the beauty of God might be given to us. Whatever happened to Christ, the exact opposite was given to us. He took shame upon himself that we might receive honor. I think with some illustrations you'll understand this a bit better. There was uh, a young child living in a house. And his mother's hands were very badly burned. Very ugly hands. But that young child had grown up with his mother. That's all he'd known. And those hands are normal for him. When he went to school, it was his birthday. He invited his friends to his house. And his friends are there, there's a big cake on the table. And his friends saw his mother's hands. And as children do, they, they really express their thoughts in an unkind way. They said, your mother has such ugly hands. How can you put up with those hands and the sight of those hands? She made this cake of those hands. How can we eat that 
We feel sick just looking at that keg because of the hands. Our mothers have beautiful hands. And they said such unkind things that the boy couldn't enjoy his birthday at all. When the birthday was over, the boy went to his mother and complained. And said for the first time in his life, Mom, your hands are disgusting, I don't want to see them. Please cover them up so that I don't see them. And his mother's heart was broken and she was crying. When the boy understood how cruel he had been, a few hours later he went to his mom and asked for forgiveness and said, Mom, I have a question. How did this come to be? The mother didn't want to answer. He said, tell me, tell me, how did your hands come to be like this? What happened? Because the boy forced her, the mother told him. She said, when you were very small, there was a fire in our house. And you were... In the fire. You're in the middle of the fire, surrounded by flames. I saw you were about to be burned to death. I came in with my hands and rescued you from the fire. And you were saved, but not a hair was burned on your head. But this is what happened to my hands. And because they were so badly burned, even medicine couldn't help her. So it's because of me that you were burned. And something major changed in the boy. He started kissing his mother's hands. He said, those hands are the most beautiful hands. The most wonderful hands. I'm proud of those hands. And I'll go and tell my friends that no one has the beautiful hands my mother has. Because you were my savior. These are all true stories. And all of this tells us, shows us just how, what a precious price God paid on the cross. The Bible tells us that Jesus, who had heavenly riches, became poor for us. Jesus became poor. That through his poverty, we might become rich. He left his heavenly glory to give us heavenly glory. And we have to rejoice and be, and be proud of this. Jesus, who was a healing savior, at Golgotha he became deeply sick. We might be healed through his stripes. Not only did he take his sins onto, our sins onto himself, he also took our pain onto himself. And I'm sure at that time all every kind of disease and sickness was taken on by Jesus. He took every kind of pain onto himself. And he became completely saturated by pain. That God's healing might be bequeathed to us. The Bible tells us that Jesus was always in the Father and the Father was in him. And there had never been any separation in their relationship. On the cross, he was separated from his Father. For that short period, that relationship was broken. And he was left alone. Why? To bring us out of our isolation. 
and to, and to restore our relationship with the Father. He became isolated from the Father so that we might be united with him, with the Father. In only one place in the Bible does Jesus say, My God. He always said, My Father. In that situation of pain, did he say, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? At that worst point when he was paying the price for sin, God had hidden his face from him because he couldn't look on sin, he couldn't look on his son. And Jesus was separated from the Father in order that we might be made one with the Father. What an honor that Jesus paid that price for us. This is the greatest pain that Jesus had. The disciples had already deserted him. Peter had denied him. Judas had betrayed him. The people had turned against him. Jesus was under so much pressure and so much pain that the worst type of pain for him was when the Father turned his back on him. He, he, he gave us his example. He said this, he said, why have you forsaken me that we might never have to use the same words? And the Bible tells us the curtain, the temple in the, the curtain in the temple was torn from top to bottom. And the door of reconciliation was open to all of us that each of us might be able to enter the Holy of Holies. The Bible also tells us that something else happened on the cross. Jesus, who was the light of the world, he he, be, he took part in the darkest moment of history on the cross. In the middle of the day, at 12 noon, until 3 o'clock, there was such darkness that the sun was darkened to such an extent that darkness like that had never taken place throughout history during the day. Why did that happen? Jesus took that darkness onto himself that light might be given to our hearts. And we should be honored to be privileged to be walking in that light. But this does not have an easy conclusion for Jesus. I want to conclude now. I want to remind us all once again two other small things. Jesus was thirsty on the cross in order that our thirst might be quenched. He said, I'm thirsty. And they gave him vinegar. He has promised those who are thirsty water to drink. But now he was thirsty. Praise God that because of his thirst, our thirst was quenched. On the cross, Jesus became naked. He took shame upon himself that he might release us from shame. Jesus was condemned on the cross, condemned to death in order to release us from the condemnation of death. 
And I'm pleased that I have the opportunity to reflect and remember the death of my Savior. Because all of these blessings which I've talked about came from his death. We should remember the cross every day. Not only when we take part in communion, but every day we should see ourselves under the power of the cross. And every day we should confess the blessing of the cross. He has prepared a banqueting table for us because of Golgotha. It's a wonderfully lavish banqueting table. It's an abundant table. There is every type of food and feast on that table. Every type of blessing which we might desire has been given us to the cross of Christ. So when we go to heaven, many things in heaven will pass. And those things which we need now on earth, we won't even remember when we're in heaven. But we'll never forget the cross. Because for eternity in heaven, we'll be singing about the cross. In heaven, we'll be singing that you, Lamb, Lamb of God, gave your blood that we might be Because the message of the cross is an eternal message which will not be forgotten, not even in heaven. And we need to know the cross. And we need to, you see the cross as a way of increasing our love towards Christ. By looking at the cross, we'll go deeper into our Christian life. And by remembering the cross, we'll have a more victorious life. Let's pray together. Let us humble ourselves before God and remember the death of our Lord. For a few moments now, as the Bible says, let each of us examine our own hearts before we take part in communion. If there is anything which is an obstacle in our lives between ourselves and God, let us bring it now under the blood of Jesus. If we have any type of fracture or conflict in a relationship with someone else, let that now be brought under the blood of Jesus. If there is a sin in our lives which we haven't confessed yet, let us bring that sin now under the blood of Jesus. Let us all now, each of us, view ourselves, see ourselves in front of the cross of Golgotha. The story of the cross is fresh and new for us all the time. Because it has a message for each of us which is rich and profound. Let us now see ourselves at the foot of that very cross. And in silence, let each of us pray. And let each of us examine his own heart.
Mertel Iisus Hristos'ı antriki jamalak hatarets yev kdrets. On the night he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and broke it. Եվ ասաց, այ սեմ մարմինը. And said, this is my body. Որտեր համար է կոտրվում? Broken for you. Քանի անգամ որ ուտեք, հիշեք իմ մահը մինչև որ ես կամ։ Whenever you eat of this bread, remember my death until I return. Let us remember each of us that Jesus became flesh and came to dwell within us. After breaking the bread, Jesus took the cup and said, This cup is my blood spilt for you. The blood which has been spilt for the new covenant. Take it and drink. And whenever you drink of this cup, speak of my death until I return. And I will not drink of this cup again until I am with you in glory. Ask Brother Charles to pray for the cup. որ նրանք որ 
Papakum en Aistur Pagurtuchan Maslak Ben Harkankov Havaskov those people who want to take part in the communion table, uh, please stand um, with a spirit of respect and humility to take part. First, let us take part in the body together. Oh Lord, I believe that through the blood of Jesus you have cleansed all of my sins and forgiven all of my sins. Amen. Amen. I believe that you have made me righteous through the blood of Jesus. Amen. I believe that you have given me holiness, heavenly holiness through the blood of Jesus. Amen. I believe that you have purchased me and redeemed me from sin by the blood of Jesus. Amen. I believe that through the blood of Jesus I have been made worthy to enter the Holy of Holies. Amen. 
հավատում եմ հիսուսի արյունով ես հաղթություն ունեմ չարի եւ ամբողջ դեվերի ուժերի վրա I believe that through the blood of Jesus I have victory over evil and all the power of the demonic world Amen հավատում եմ որ հիսուսի արյան միջոցով կարող եմ երկին կմտնել I believe that through the power of Je- through the blood of Jesus I can enter heaven. Եվ նրա արյունն է իմ վիզաս որ ներս է մտցնում ինձ երկնքի մեջ. And his and his blood gives me a visa to enter heaven freely. Հարցերոջ Հիսուսի արյան համար. Praise God for the blood of Jesus. Այդ հավատքով մասնակցեք տերոջ արյան հիշատակի։